to y'all. It is a good day. Man, listen, um, we're in Acts chapter 27. Uh, today, we've got uh, just a short time more, one more week in the book of Acts, and then we'll be jumping into Christmas things. Believe it or not, we'll have made it through the whole book of Acts as we've uh, stumbled around and found our way through it. Uh, today, what we're talking about is when to listen or how to listen. As I was reading the story of Acts chapter 27, Paul um, and his transportation from um, the promised land from Israel to Rome uh, was just reminded of in this story, the best, most powerful thing I could do was stand back and listen. Uh, I, I think a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure things out. I'm trying to solve Bible puzzles and the best thing I can do is I can stand back and listen to God's word. And listening is not a skill we're good at. We do it all. Do you know 100% of the people that have ears who can hear can listen? But I want you to tell you what I read this week is pretty interesting. We all do it, but 50% immediately forget what they've heard in every conversation. Men, I feel like that's targeted. Are you with me? I feel like that's targeted us. 50% of all people forget immediately what they've heard. Have you ever been in the car and someone's talking and someone interrupted and they've said, now what was I talking about? And you're like a ghost because you have no idea either. But it's a weird thing because if, if you're talking and don't remember what you were talking about, you weren't listening to yourself. So it's, it's like a pass. Do you know within two to five days, we only 20% of the people remember what they talked about two to five days ago. Listening is on the downcline. Now, this is a, a free stat. It was hilarious. I was reading it and I thought this makes perfect sense. Do you know when we listen to someone complain for more than 30 minutes in a day, it literally can cause brain trauma that prohibits problem solving. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. That's in the Bible for a reason. God doesn't want dumb followers. Amen? <laughs> Man, somebody needs to go home and have marriage counseling right now. Are y'all with me? It, it, it's amazing. Listening is something that we do, but it's also something we're not very good at. And, and quite honestly, we don't know how to listen to God. Have you ever found yourself wanting guidance from the Lord, looking for him to speak to you, and you've sat still and been quiet for, you know, a long two and a half minutes and nothing's been said, or maybe you 30 minutes sat still? Have you ever found yourself wanting to know God's direction and leading in an area of your life, but you haven't heard anything? And so you feel like maybe... I need to solve the puzzle and ask God if I solved it right. So how do we know if we're hearing from the Lord? That's what I saw and listened to in Acts chapter 27. There's some things that I want you to know about hearing from God and listening to God that kind of sets it all up for us. So how do we know it's God's plan or not? Well, James 4, chapter 3, or chapter 4, verse 3 says, when we ask, we don't receive because we ask wrongly or with wrong motives. So we need to be aware that when we're asking the Lord a question and we're listening for him, if your motives are wrong, and wrong would be everything that's not from him, of him, by him, for him. If our motives are wrong and you don't hear anything, then the first thing to say is not, God, why are you silent? It's God, check my life and my heart. 
First John chapter 5, 14 says this, and this we have, and, excuse me, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, this is really important. So we have in James and in John, these two plays in the scripture, they're telling us something that we need a reality check with. We have to move it from biblical knowledge to real life application. And that's this. James says, if we ask the Lord and we ask with wrong motives, he's not delivering. He's not talking back. But what John says is, if and when we ask according to his will, we can be confident that he has heard us. And if we're confident that he's heard us, and we believe what scripture says that he is a father who gives good gifts who loves his children then we should understand that the one who hears will reply he will direct he will challenge he will charge us so we have to realize that listening is active it's something we participate in and how we listen and what motivates us matters greatly so the last time we saw Paul, he was being arrested before the tribune. And I will tell you, it didn't end so fantastically. He was taken into prison and he was held in prison long enough. Finally, a king said, listen, I can let you go back to Jerusalem for a trial. Paul said, I've heard there's an ambush waiting. I have no part of that. Instead, I appeal to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he had the right to appeal to Caesar to bypass all the lower courts and go directly to the main one. So I'm waiving all these other, other possibilities. I just want to go to Caesar. When a Roman citizen appealed to Caesar, no one had any other say. No king, no centurion, no one could say, man, let's think of this a different way. Once a citizen did that, that was where they went. So Paul now is on his journey from Israel to Rome. And how they would travel was by boats. And, and normally, as the Roman uh, government would do, they would procure different fishing boats or grain boats that carried boats back and forth to Rome all over the, the, the Roman world. And when a centurion stepped on a boat, he basically took over. He, he basically stood on the boat. He became in charge of the final decision-making because he would be the one that was accountable when it all said and done. And so we find Paul on a boat headed to Rome in prison. And I want to let you know, this is where we listen. Because I think many times we feel in our life like we are on a boat traveling to a destination we've never been hoping that there are some people around us that will help us get to where we need to go believing there is a God who has a plan for us in all this mess but feeling pretty alone so I think we have a lot in common with Paul on the boat so let's listen in for just a moment in Acts chapter 27 Paul and his men, all these men are on a boat. Uh, in, in verse 8, we get a little bit of the context. Coasting along with great difficulties, they came to a place called Fair Havens, which was near the city of Lysa. Verse 9, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will, not, uh, will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo of the ship and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the co-owner of the ship than what Paul said. 
And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter, the majority decided to put out to sea from there and the chance of somehow they could reach Phoenix, the harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Let me tell you a little bit about this journey. Uh, the later in the year that it gets, October, September, into that world, the, the sea became almost unchartable. It would almost unable to travel on that. Once you hit November, there are no boats in the water anymore. It's literally asking for the loss of your stuff and the loss of your life. And so what the centurion and the boat captain want to do is they want to get to a good place to spend the harbor because where they are isn't really suitable for them. And what I love about this passage is, is a couple of things. The first thing we see, Paul knows time has passed. He's on the ship and on someone else's boat, Paul says, verse, verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo on the ship, but of our lives. And then verse 11, almost as if, can you guys believe this? The centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to Paul. And can, you, can you imagine this scene? Paul's like, have you heard of me? I'm basically tearing up the whole world. I was a Pharisee. I'm really smart. I, I do not think, in my personal opinion, I do not think that this is going to be a good trip. In fact, I think the boat and the cargo and us are all going to be lost. And the centurion has the nerve to listen to the captain of the boat more than a Bible teacher. That would be like me stepping out on a boat saying, excuse me, I teach scripture every Sunday morning in church. I spend time with the Lord. I've never, never driven your boat, but I think this is a bad idea. How many captains do you think are going to go, well, Pastor David, thanks so much for that. Let's back down. Nobody. Nobody's, nobody's impressed with Paul. Nobody's into that. Paul wants to be heard, and he's not heard. Why isn't Paul heard? I want you to look at back at verse 10. How did he start his sentence? I Perceive. Now, Paul's a man of God. Paul's, he spends time with the Lord and all of these things. He's a good guy, but he is not God. And it's amazing. We can be the right person, the right people in the right places and still give the wrong direction, can't we? We can still be outside of ourselves a little bit. Does Paul have any power over the weather? None. Does Paul have any ability to save all the men on the boat? None. Does Paul have his own freedom right now? No. So Paul saying, guys, I perceive this is going to happen is based solely on him and his reputation. Now, I want to catch this. Every now and then we're reminded that Paul, although the scripture that he writes is inspired by God and perfect, Paul as a man was not. Look in your Bible at verse 21. The ship and the journey goes bad. The, the boat's under attack from the storm at the sea and, uh, and the hope of being saved is abandoned. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up and, and this is what he said. This is, I love this. Ladies, if you've ever heard your husband say something like this. Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> you should have listened to me. 
You shouldn't have set sail from Greece and incurred this injury and loss. Paul wants to be heard, but he wasn't. And how do we know? Because when everything is going crazy, the world's falling apart, the boat's in havoc and chaos, the first thing Paul says is, ha! I'm Paul, right? You can see, do you feel the angst inside of him? Do you feel a little bit angry? Have you ever tried to give someone good direction and when it didn't go well for them, your first thought wasn't, oh, I hate that you had to learn this way. Have you ever had your first thought of exactly and you'll listen to me next time? Who is the source of authority in that voice? I am. Listen to what John writes in uh, John chapter 7 verse 18 Jesus speaks these words the one who speaks of his own authority seeks his own glory how do you know if it's not God speaking it doesn't matter who they are it doesn't matter what kind of garb they wear where they stand on Sunday morning what position they hold in the city what per person they are in your home out of all of these things this is true across the board how do you know when you're listening if it's not God speaking because the authority is man-centered and the glory is man-focused no matter who if I if I give you my opinion and it's man-centered and it's it's grounded in me what I've learned what I've known and where I've been I've missed it church Paul's credentials were not enough they were not enough to make him heard. They were not enough, no matter how bad he wanted him to be. I, I love reading. I love studying what's going on in our world. Um, about 12, 13 years ago, uh, Christy let me do something she no longer lets me do, which is invest in the stock market. We just give that to other people, and they do good things. If you want stock market advice and want to be poor, let's talk. I'm excellent at that. And so a, a few years back, it's more than 10, 13 years ago, because it was in 2008, the stock market was taking a dive and I was doing all kinds of research and the bank where we held our money had great financials. It didn't make sense that its stock was going down. I had called, I'd talked to people who, who kind of knew the world, who knew this, said, yeah, this, this doesn't make sense. It's just the big thing. I'd read the reports. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We're living off of one income, supporting everybody. And in the midst of this, I, I take $1,000, which is a lot of money. And we put it in. And do you know what happens? The stock cuts in half. Oh! <gasps> So I, I, I tell Christy, listen, everything I've, everything I've heard says that if any bank stands, this bank will stand. Here are the experts. Here's the wisdom. Here's the rationale. I know we don't have any money. So instead of putting it in retirement, let's put another $1,000 in. She said, David, are you sure? I'm like, I have done my work. And because she knows I have to learn things the hard way, she says, well, that's okay if, if we can do that. So we put it in, I'm thankful for my wife. We go out to dinner and we're waiting in line and I look up on the screen over the bar, FDIC, Rage, the bank David just invested in. The stock is now worth one one hundredth. Your $3.76 check will be coming back to you. 
y'all I wanted to die 18 ways and this was really important my family's financial standing our future I had asked everyone with the right credentials all the right things but the authority of man cannot properly direct the life of another no matter their credentials and yet in our life we find ourselves looking for people of reputation and asking their opinion we think god i'll seek you by talking to a man church listen it's all right to seek wisdom from godly men and godly women but do not listen to men listen for god so what does it sound like when God speaks? I really believe, as I look through Genesis to Revelations, throughout all of the scripture, there are certain things that help us identify if the Lord is in what's happening. And, and out of the three, the first thing is remember, it's not man-centered. So, so listen with me to what's happening. All this is going down. Paul has said, guys, I told you so. And then he says something actually meaningful. Again, verse 22 of Acts chapter 27. This is what the Bible says. Yet now I urge you to take heart. There will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For the very night, this very night, stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, Caesar, Caesar. And behold, God has granted to you all those who sailed with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. Does that sound dramatically different than what Paul said at the beginning? At, at the beginning, Paul said, y'all, I think this is a bad idea. But all of a sudden, it's not Paul talking. Because who's the authority that he's saying have confidence in? Is it me being a good person? No, he says, listen, I belong to God. Angels of God said this. In fact, the promise of God that I would go stand before Caesar, they reminded me of. Church, if God is speaking, if you want to listen for the Lord and his response, then it starts off by knowing that you find your confidence in the character and the promise of God. If it calls you to find confidence in anything or anyone else, it is not the Lord. You see, Paul says pretty plainly and pretty clearly, the issue we're going to run into is that none of us on the boat can actually do anything. All of the skill and the confidence we've attained, they're worthless. Have you ever been in that spot where your very best wasn't enough? It wasn't enough to fix and save your marriage? wasn't enough to help your kid out when they were being bullied on the bus on the way to school it wasn't enough to get out of the depression and the funk that you were in it wasn't enough to help guide someone around a hurdle that you had already hit church by God's design our knowledge our, our abilities our credentials are insufficient and so if you are listening for God, he will not point you to have confidence in men. 
including yourself. His confidence will be in the Lord, in his promise of his people. And that means we have to have two things, to have confidence in God, to know that it's the Lord speaking. There has to be two things. One, we have to do more than just believe. We must believe in God, but we have to do more. James, the book of James, the the writer writes in chapter two, demons believe and it's insufficient. We have to not only believe, we have to trust. You see, we have to actually put our faith in God. We have to put stock in God. We have to trust in God and his word and his grounding more than anyone else in our life, including our own. And church, that's put to the test when we're listening in times of trouble. Because you say, God, rescue me, save me. And while you do that, I'm working on a backup plan. Have you ever been there? That's not putting your trust in God, that's believing God exists. It's very different. It's it's not saying, God, I know you have this, I know what's going on, 99% of my my stock is in you, but I'm gonna have one stock just in case I've missed this, God. I'm gonna invest it in some worldly way. Church, if you and I are gonna have confidence in the Lord when he speaks, then we must first place our trust in him. And that is only done by submitting to him as Lord, master and controller of your life, the captain of your ship. So confidence comes from from trust. But the second thing is it has, has to do with knowledge. The scripture is full of this. Christian, our class uh, a few weeks ago, over 8,000 scriptures and uh, passages in scripture are God's promises to humans, to man, humankind, people. Over 8,000. Do you know the promises of God to be able to know if you should be, if someone's speaking truth, if you're, if you're grounding your life in his promise or if it's a made up thing? God helps those who helps themselves, not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not, but it's still important in life. Church, do you know God's word? You you can't have confidence in a God that you say you trust, but you never pursue. that's, That's a weak faith. That's a weak life. You're gonna be disappointed over and over and over again, not because God is deficient, but because you don't know him. And so scripture commands us to be grounded in him, to follow him, to have confidence in his character. And in our life, in our action, are you pursuing God so that you can have confidence when he speaks? I think that's why Jesus says, seek first him. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness and he'll he'll take care of the rest. When God speaks, he will say, ground your confidence in me in church if you don't know him. If you're not seeking him to know him through his word, then many people can use the word God to talk about any fictional, man-made, grounded, anchored thing in their life. And it can cause you to lose your confidence. So listen to what Paul says. At first it was, I perceive. And then it was like, guys, this is not me. I belong to someone else. The angels of God came and told me, based on God promises, this is what's gonna happen. Is your confidence grounded in God? Now, listen a little bit further. 
verse 27 through 31, the story continues working. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little bit farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might uh, run across the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. As the ships, excuse me, and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the boat, they'd lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. And Paul says to the centurion of the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes and the ship's boat and they let it go. Go back to what Paul said. The Lord has told us, verse 26, have confidence in him. He's gonna get us all there safely. Verse 26, but we must run ashore. This is not gonna be easy. This is gonna be difficult. And not, not a few moments later, the sailors and the centurions and the soldiers, they're worried what's gonna happen. The boat's gonna run ashore and break up on the rocks even before they have a, a chance to, to get to this hopeful thing. And Paul says, note to self, go back to the promise of God. Number one, God has said he will get me safely and all who are with me. I'm staying on the boat. If you get off the boat, guess who's not with me? So therefore, guess who's not protected? It's not about Paul. It's he's just saying, listen to what God says. See, church, God has called us to take grounded action in him. When he speaks, that's what he leads us to. God does not call you to a set it and forget it faith. God's not calling you to read a passage of scripture, think that's very nice, God, I've got it from here. He's not calling you to just, to just memorize something and then leave it behind. When God speaks, he's saying, ground yourself in that and let all of your action depend on me. You see, school's kind of tricky. In school, I, I've learned very, very early on, I needed to memorize certain things for a test. And when the test was over, guess what I got to do? I got to empty out everything that I had learned so I could put new stuff in. That, that can work at times. Christy and I, uh, during certain times of our life, have gotten the privilege of going rock climbing uh, outside in the mountains. We don't do it often in case of people who are life insuring us. We don't do this often. But when you go rock climbing out, outside, there are clips. And as you're climbing, now we have extra backups, but you clip your rope into these clips so that the higher you go, if you slip, if you stumble, if you fall, you're grounded and you don't fall all the way down. It, it catches you. So the higher you go, you clip. You don't skip clips. Free climbing is not for me. Because God says, David, climb the mountain. Then I know he's saying, stay clipped into me. I want you to act, but all of your strength, all of your safety, all of the promise of you getting to where I've promised you to be, everything is really about you staying grounded in me. God is not trying to give you cliff notes on how to live a good life. 
God doesn't want you to just consider his word and then move on. God will not lead you away from him. Church, how do you know if it's God speaking? One, he will say your confidence comes from me and my promise and my characters. Two, you will know that he will tell you in his word to stay grounded in him and take action. Paul says, do you remember what guy said? The Lord told me I will get to Rome and everybody with me will get there safely. Have confidence in that. We're bailing from the ship. Paul says, don't forget Stay grounded in the promise and let's take action in accordance with the promise. Cut off the boats. Cut off the dinghies. Church, you will not find a story in scripture that ends to the glory of God where a man or woman has heard the promise of God, forgotten about it, neglected it, and done whatever they want, just living away on this promise you'll never find it ending well. But regardless of their character, from Rahab the harlot to Abraham to Moses to David, every promise where a man or a woman is promised something by the Lord that they hold on to and act in accordance with the promise, God is glorified in his faithfulness to his people. So when you're listening to God, don't let the complexity of life get in the way. God will not lead you away from him. Now church, this next part I think is unique to Christianity. In verse 33 through 38, we find that uh, things are still not going great. It's obviously things are going to be uh, busting up before the night's over. Verse 33, as the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you've continued in some spence without food. You've taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. And they were encouraged and ate some food for themselves. We were 276 persons in all. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw the rest over. Church, they're still in the storm. If you read all the way to the end, every single person makes it safely to soar. God's promise is kept. But in this moment, before it is kept, let me tell you what happens. They give thanks. Now, this is a, an interesting thing to me about Christianity. It's that when we are listening to God and basing our life on his promises and acting in accordance with his promise, we are called, we are commanded, we are compelled to give thanks to God, to show gratitude along the way before the promise is completely seen and understand. If, if you and I give thanks on a man-made promise, you're risking arrogance, failure, and embarrassment. Have you ever been there? Has anyone, no matter their credentials, ever given you good advice and you bragged about it before the promise came true? 
and you were embarrassed and you were let down and you promised you'd never do it again. And somehow that promise made it over to God. See, the unique thing about Christianity is we are called to boast in the Lord. We are called to brag upon our God. We are, we are called to make much of his name. Jesus, when Lazarus had been in the tomb, before Lazarus had come out, he prayed a prayer of thanks. Why? Because he had the joy of knowing what God has promised is certain. Look at the feasts in the Old Testament. Why so many parties? Because God's people, when following and depending on the promise of God, should be a festive people celebrating and lifting up the name of God at every moment, every second of every day. A Christian sourpuss is a believer who's forgotten that their God is a God of promises and is trustworthy. Church, you may not have been living, listening to God. And today may be the first time you've considered it this way. But hear it from the word of God, just sneaking in, looking at Paul's life, a glimpse in scripture. How do we know if it's you, God? Is what God's saying, making much of him, is it? Is it confidence in his promise? Is it calling you to stay grounded but to act in his promise? Acting in God's promise may just be being still until he says something. It also may mean get up and go. But it won't lead you away from him. Every time God speaks, it will lead you to trust him more. So how do we trust God when we're listening? We celebrate, we have a party. We feast, we make much of God. Church, imagine this, these truths about God in your life. How do we know when Jesus Christ becomes Lord of our life that all will be as he promises because our confidence is in him, not in what we have seen, not in what we've already experienced. We're not proclaiming a gospel that the world has seen the full story of. And it's that confidence, it's that grace that we have to celebrate. In your marriage, in your life, at work, in the decisions that you're wrestling with the most, I would encourage you, stop trying to solve the problems and seek the Lord in his word and in your prayer. You get to know him and you will recognize his voice. So listen. Jesus says, be happy, be happy, be happy, Matthew chapter five. Those who are grounded in me and who live for me. He says, be joyful, be joyful, John chapter 10. You wanna live full be grounded in me. Listen to me. You want life. You want to know what the way looks like. John chapter 10. Be grounded in me. Get to know me. Follow hard after me. Let your confidence be in me. Pursue me and seek me, church.
but you and I cannot pursue a God that we do not know. So if you found yourself in this room this morning knowing a lot about God, even believing in a God, even liking the name of Jesus, that is insufficient. That's not enough. His promise says, have your confidence completely in me. Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, your master, the captain of your ship? Have you thrown the keys away and said there's no freedom anywhere else but the name of Jesus Christ? That is where listening, freedom, the journey begins. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, we ask this morning as we run hard after you that you be glorified in every way. Lord, it, it's hard. Life is difficult. We want solutions. We want you to do the work. We, we don't want to have to have confidence in your promises. We want to have to have, we want confidence in what you've already done. So we ask you for quick answers to quick prayers in ways that leaves us out of listening and drawing near to you. We just want you to do stuff and us to be surprised in, in good ways afterwards. But Lord, you have so much more for us. And, and it's true because it's you who said that. So Lord, let us not be a people that are so easily pleased and so quick to, to live a life hoping for surprises. Let us be a confident people rooted in you and being thankful before we're surprised. Lord, let that faith define us. Let us have that joyful, full life you've promised. In Jesus' name.